and I think more and more women um, will get into the property game and property development game. So they bring great skill sets and mindsets to, to the game. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of the show. Got a great special International Women's Day edition coming up with a great female guest that I'm sure you're going to enjoy hearing from. We're going to be discussing the question of women in property development. But how are you doing? Keeping well, I trust. I've been good. But dealing with some project challenges over the last past four to six weeks, which have been a bit testing at times, mainly to do with the builder on my project. For some reason, they thought it was a good idea to stop working for a month, even though they are a long way behind schedule. Of course, the weather during that time was absolutely perfect for building. Anyway, they're now back working and they can hopefully push on and get all the units to lock up before the weather changes. I tell you, I might have to write another book after this project is finished from all the things that have happened far out. On my other project, we've finalised the preliminary environmental report that we needed to do to satisfy the last remaining RFI item for council. And we're now waiting to hear back from them about hopefully continuing along to the public notice period and getting some feedback on our scheme. A couple of quick announcements before we get to Valerie. Firstly, for the property developer training, I reckon it's a good time to start getting into developing got the population growth heading up again, stock levels are still low and I don't think it'll be too long before prices start to grow again as demand outstrips supply. So if you want to learn how to become a property developer then head over to my online training course at www.propertydevelopertraining.com. Also don't forget about my book Become a Million Dollar Developer An Insider's Guide to Wealth, Fulfillment and Glory You can grab that at propertydeveloperpodcast.com forward slash book Still lots of uh, requests coming in for that book so thank you to everyone that's bought it And finally the Property Developer Quiz If you want to see how ready you are to become a property developer then head over to propertydevelopertraining.com forward slash quiz and take the free quiz all right, on to today's guest, Valerie Smith from Valsco Property Group. Valerie and her husband have travelled the well-worn path from property investors and renovators to property developers. They are now focusing on some niche disability accommodation projects to provide much-needed dwellings for many Australians. In this discussion with Valerie, we cover how more women can get into property development, the power of joint ventures to accelerate growth and reduce risk, and the value of focusing on a niche product for a specific group. Keep an ear out for how a shift in Valerie's thinking around money and skills helped take her to the next level. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation, and we started off by finding out what food Valerie would eat until she was sick. Ooh, I love my husband does the best beef cheeks in a beautiful sauce. So I have to say that it's it, it's my uh, death row dish, I always say. <laughs> You're the first person to nominate the old beef cheeks as their favourite dish. 
Oh, it's beautiful. I think it's a Movido um, restaurant recipe. Yeah, beef cheeks slow cooked for a long time is an amazing winter dish. Perfect, perfect dish. Oh, I could be there joining you on a dish like that, actually. I reckon I could eat that till I was feeling pretty full too. Absolutely, absolutely, with a good pureed cauliflower mash. <laughs> oh, even better. Now you're, mm. now you're talking. Mm. Well, the old beef cheeks are not as cheap as they used to be anymore. They used to be so cheap and now it's all become quite popular, those stewing cuts. Absolutely, especially in the pressure cooker. It's just beautiful. So, oh, now you're, yeah, now you're getting me hungry. <laughs> All right. Well, Valerie, it's great to have you on the show. We're going to be talking about property developing and women in property. So, let's kick off with a bit of a background about yourself and how you ended up in property. Oh. I was really inspired through my teenage years. I had a debating coach, a school teacher, who, um, as an independent woman, was out buying property, single, um, and she's still in the property game through her teaching career. So she really kick-started. So I was fortunate to buy my first property in my early 20s, uh, and it kicked off from there. And we did a lot of, um, my husband and myself did a lot of buy, reno, sell, buy, reno, hold in property. We paused for a few years while we had our, our three daughters and then we, a few years ago, decided to jump back on the bandwagon and jump in with a uh, triple, uh, we have splitters up here in Queensland and so we did a triple triple block split and uh, with a house slide and renovate a mid-century modern up on the Redcliffe Peninsula. So that was, um, and then from there we've grown. We're uh, very passionate about NDIS um, and we're doing NDIS house at the moment and just about to commence a build on seven units down at Arundel at the Gold Coast. Also JVing with people and money partnering with people and um, doing a project down in Bendigo at the moment with a uh, woman, a uh, lovely um, lady, and she's um, on site and we're, um, yeah, we're JVing with her to do a, uh, a uh, triple um, subdivision and a, a house renovate as well. Oh, yes, good. We've got lots of questions to unpack there, but first off, the first purchase. Tell us about that one, your first property purchase. Oh, it was a little house in Meriburrah. So we were did our graduate years out of uni um, studies and in Meriburrah and we bought a little rundown workers' cottage and renovated it. So we kept it for a few years and rented it out and then sold and moved on and did another new build and things like that. So... And then came back to Brisbane and uh, started um, purchasing properties and investment properties to to renovate. So I have a passion for renovation. It's lessening as I get older. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll skip over the renovation bit. I'm always happier telling other people to go and paint walls than having to do it myself. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Meribar is probably most famous, famously known for uh, the lady who wrote Mary Poppins. Yeah. She came from Meribar. I think that's about the only thing Meribar is known for, isn't it? Probably. <laughs> I'm going to get lots of emails now from people from Maryborough, but, but that's okay. 
It's uh, a great, it was a great place. So it's close to Harvey Bay as well. So great waterways and Fraser Island and things like that. So that's okay. I'm from Brisbane at some point, so I can uh, I can cop it from the from the Queenslanders. <laughs> uh, tell us about the escalation into property developing. What prompted that move? Oh, we just always had a, a, a passion for for developing and, um, you know, we, like everywhere, um, have a housing shortage up here and things like that. So um, I suppose my big drive was as a nurse was I had seen and have family on NDIS. So we really wanted to make our mark on NDIS um, and improve the living standards for participants. So um, that's really what's uh, driving our NDIS. So we're doing a house and um, unit development in the NDIS space. So, yes, it's good to have a purpose. I often say that on this show and in my uh, my own training program that a purpose is really valuable because it helps you get over all the challenges that you face along the way so it's and it's also good that you're in a niche I think those two things work quite well together a purpose and a niche makes gives you lots of focus and it really is a socially responsible project and you know feel good and and that's certainly one of my values in life so I I agree yes well I think I mentioned to you before we started that I'm actually involved in a or doing a NDIS related project as well also around Bendigo so that's a funny coincidence but um tell us about the the joint venture you mentioned on the Bendigo project you said you've got a lady on the ground there can you give us some background on how that came together and how it works Absolutely. So we um, we met at a, a property event um, on the Sunshine Coast, and we were both at a at this event, and uh, we met. And she is on the ground, and I we've purchased. I've purchased the property, um, and she's doing the project managing on the ground and and keeping up the communications. So she she has a passion for renovating as well. So she's um, handling the renovation side and. W- We've just lent in and supported with um, the um, development application down there. So um, yeah, so we're the money partners in the in the business and just helping out where where we need to and to support her in, in getting it over the line. So DA's in council at the, at present and the renovations are uh, you know moving along so very nicely. So, and she keeps us updated with all of that sort of thing. So we're hoping to finish off in the next few months and uh, move on to the next one. We'll have to stay in touch and see who races through planning first. I've got a (laughs) sneaky suspicion it won't be us, but anyway. Uh, So the lady in Bendigo, she's from around there? She's from Melbourne, actually, but she does a lot of um, development in in the Bendigo region. So she's got a good on-the-ground knowledge of the area and a really great relationship with with real estate agents and, and, you know, people on the ground in Bendigo. So so what's that project? Renovating a property at the front and doing two it, out the back? It, yes, renovating. So, yeah, one into three and with a, a house renovation. So the house is at the front, so in White Hill in Bendigo. And then what do the two units out the back look like? There'll just be two, two land subdivisions that we're selling. Oh, just the land? Yeah, just the land. Okay, that sounds like a pretty nice, neat project. Absolutely. 
Okay. Straightforward. Yeah, should be. The famous last words in a property development project. Absolutely. Uh, and then tell us more about your, this is a seven-unit NDIS project that you've been working on? It is, it is. So we uh, found the property in about July last year and we made settlement subject to building application and operational works. Um, the seller did the... is done the op work side of things and um, we actually went back and did a minor change to the DA as well because originally when we found the unit development it wasn't all NDIS it was only um, the first two levels NDIS and the third uh, the yeah and the third level um, just normal unit application um, so we changed that to make them all six there's six participant apartments and then one overnight carer accommodation uh, on the on the ground floor with the car parking. So we got the minor change through very, very quickly to upgrade it to, to be suitable for NDIS, adding a lifts and sprinkler systems and things like that. Um, and then we have uh, uh BA came out early this year and we're just awaiting the operational works RFI had um, has just gone back in so we're just waiting for that to come out of council so we're hoping to there's a house on the property at the moment knock down the house by end of the month and start build um end of month as well so yeah really excited for it so um have got a really great team around us um we've never built units before there's nothing like jumping in the deep end but we have got a property uh, uh we have a project manager on stock on site um to help us through all the ba and the and the project build just to work between us and the builder so really looking forward to it so you say you haven't done it before. What I've got a couple of questions there. What gives you the confidence to proceed with it? And then I'm going to ask you just about the difference between doing specialty accommodation. But tell us first, what gives you the confidence to pursue something you haven't done before? The, the project manager's got 25 years in construction management. Uh, I think it really is the team. So this is also a joint venture um with um some other people and it's we've just gathered a really really great team around us we've talked and looked at a lot of a lot of other projects um to do some stuff and our builders very experienced and has done NDIS builds before and I think that's really important to have someone build that understands the NDIS guidelines um yeah so and yeah, and I have a, a property, I have a mentor as well that um really is assisting us as well. Yeah, look, you can't talk enough about the quality of the team around you. I've been having some challenges myself lately with our uh, construction and having a great team to help you when things get tough is just invaluable. So I'm always encouraging people who are getting started, or even if they haven't, even if they're already experienced developers, to just invest in the best possible consultants you can afford for your project. Because when the going gets tough, that's when you really know you've got the good people helping you, and it makes a massive difference. 
Oh, I, I agree. It, it is absolutely. And our JV partners, all of us bring complementary skill sets to, to the project. So, um, you know, myself as a nurse and my uh, husband um, has worked in um, in IT and, and business development and things like that. So, and our JV partners have worked in that. And, you know, one of our, my JV partners is a strata manager. So, you know, she understands that side of things. So it really is, you know, the initial team and, and having a, a mentor um, as well has really, really um, given me the, the strength and the belief that, that I can do anything we put our minds to. So all those people that you just mentioned on the project, are they joint venture partners or some of them are just consultants? No, they're all joint. No, we've got um, four of us in a joint venture partnership. So, um, yeah, so it's fantastic. And um, we want to rinse and repeat, so to speak, in this. We would like to um, look for other opportunities or we're out there looking for other opportunities to be able to build um, more specialist disability accommodation across southeast Queensland, um, even northern New South Wales. Talk us through how you put together a joint venture team like that, because I can understand two people joint venturing. It's pretty common, but if when you're putting together more than two, talk us through how you select people or pull everybody together so that you've got the right skill mix, the right personality mix, all of those considerations? Um, you really have to sit down and screen. Um, look, we do personality profiling with our JVs and we're very lucky. We're both, we're two lot, two couples. So that's the first thing. Uh um, and so we bought complementary skill sets to each other, but we did personality profiling. We you really have to sit down and discuss how people react to losses and challenges, um, and really question each other on get to the you know really worst case scenario and what's going to happen if this happens. So. It, it it was really sitting down and discussing and, and really screening through everything that um, that could go wrong and will go wrong. Um, as as we all know in development, never nothing runs smoothly, um, and and who's going to be responsible for what? So we really defined our roles and our responsibilities. What who was going to do what? Who was going to be responsible for what? Uh, you know how we were going to address challenges, and and we've gone from there. And honestly, we've really—it's been a really great um, JV with working together and um, using each other's complementary skill sets. And so, all of that work that you do in terms of identifying responsibilities and who's doing what—is that all codified in some sort of legal document, or is it just something you wrote down together and you all have an understanding of how it works? No, the lawyers love us. It's a good old JV agreement that we have have in place, yes. Okay, very good. And tell us more about getting into a niche specialty accommodation sector. What are some of the challenges that you may face that could be different from standard residential stock that you might develop? 
Well, there's uh, design standards and building guidelines for NDIS that are, are, are different and on average they say, you know, 30 to 40% more expensive to construct an NDIS property to a, a normal development. So um, so there's guidelines and it's, it is really important to surround yourself with a team of designers, uh, architects and consultants that are familiar with with uh, those guidelines um, because it, it it is followed down to the T. So, um, yeah, so and not only is your building certified by a certifier, you actually have a SDA certifier as well that has to sign off on the, the designs and come through at the end of the build to make sure that everything is perfectly in in place and and via the guidelines yeah and is that something are you retaining the stock or are you planning to sell it when it's finished no retained stock that we have a house as i said up in the peninsula we plan to retain that um we've already got a couple of tenants um waiting to move into there so uh you have we're using an sda provider um who then um you know has a, a supported independent living provider that will be on ground providing the day-to-day care. So, um, and things are changing so quickly in the NDIS. So it's really important to also get providers uh, that are very familiar and know the network and know all the changes and the legislation changes because uh, they're reviewing things all the time. It's I would still say it's in its infancy and there's still a lot of challenges that need to be ironed out in in all areas of NDIS from what I have um, seen and observing, you know, in the in the um, area. Yes, it's always important to have the right people helping you on the right type of projects because not everybody claims to be a generalist and good at everything, but quite often doesn't pan out that way when you actually need specialist help. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and yeah, I think it, because it's sort of been around only for a few years, really specialised and defined define, um, a few years that everyone's still finding their feet. And um, yeah, it, it's had its challenges. <laughs> so. Yes, I can imagine. Uh, I'm interested to know, you've done a lot of renovations and now you're doing property development. What are your thoughts on the key differences or that you found between the two? I I've always enjoyed renovations. It's really I'm a visual person, so it's really lovely to see the end product after a renovation. So, but I have to say I am enjoying developing more because uh, less sweat e- equity in in. In uh, development, uh, it certainly takes more time. Sometimes when you're waiting for DAs and you know you're dealing with councils and things like that. But I've we've really enjoyed develop developing. It's uh, not as hard, you know. It it is work, but it's not as hard as getting in there. Uh, there's just been challenges with finding trades and things like that in in renovations. So. Um, whereas you know, if you've got a good town planner and good um, a good team with development, it's um, 
it's um, much more, in- I, I just really enjoy it. So I really enjoy it and really enjoy moving into the NDIS space and um, making a good social impact. Yeah, well, I'm looking down at these hands, Valerie, and they're definitely the soft hands of a developer rather than the uh, hardened hands of a renovator. <laughs> yeah, look, we, I mean, we recently were, you know, shoveling stones and, you know, trying to finish off the gardens and things like that. And you can pay people to do it, but, you know, when you, you, you've you got a deadline and you've got a real estate agent coming around, you, you want to. Um, you, you get it. You, you, you lean into it. You can't help but but do it. So, um, but I enjoy it. I, I stage my properties as well when I renovate. So it really gives the buyer a very good snapshot of of what how they could live in the property. So, I mean, it was fantastic. Our last reno, we had the property on the market. I think on the Tuesday, and we had a cash offer on the uh, first open home. So, you know, it's it's a fantastic outcome, but yeah, it's hard work sometimes. Oh, there's something immensely satisfying about transforming a property. I mean, I understand it from a renovation point of view, but more broadly from a property development point of view, when you take an old house on a large block and tear it down and build three new units or four new, whatever it is, great looking brand new units that someone gets to move into it's deeply satisfying absolutely absolutely i'm just so excited to see the arundel units come out of the ground it's it's going to be fantastic now speaking of renovations versus property development i wanted to get your opinion on women in property development this episode will be going out on international women's day and it's very common for females to get right into property renovations. That there doesn't seem to be that translation across into property development. So I wanted to get your thoughts on why that might be. I actually have to say, in Southeast Queensland, I'm part of a property networking group that we. Um, I'm really blessed to be around some fantastic women develop developers out there. I I think it's I think it's really I think people are spooked by property development. Uh, women particularly are spooked, and they don't think they bring enough skills or mindsets to the table. But I I'm I'm seeing an increasing numbers, and honestly, I've seen some amazing uh, women in in my network anyway that are doing some fantastic inspirational projects. So uh, I encourage all women, if they're they're passionate about property, uh, to jump in, you know, to be guided. Um, It's great to catch up. One of my mentors is a female and she really has inspired me to work on mindset, on, you know, my mindset and my belief that um, I can do whatever I put my mind to. Um, so yeah, it's it's fantastic. So I think we're we're moving forward, and I think more and more women um, will get into the property game and property development game. So they 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 bring great skill sets and mindsets to to the game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, always surprises me that more females aren't property developers because I mean we're generalising, but yeah, they they generally well organized deal well with 
different people, have an eye for detail. Most of the time, the buyers are female, or at least having a huge influence on the decision making of the purchase. All of that lends itself to uh, female influence, I think. And yeah, I I agree. And communication, I think women uh, are very good communicators, and they have that really great intuition when looking at 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 property. Uh, you know, for myself. I come from a background in nursing, so it's a very female dominant uh, industry. Uh, you know, so I've seen some amazing women. Um, they have, you know, they've got an intuition to, you know, to know things and that gut feel, the ability to talk to people and really hook in emotionally to to sellers and things like that. So yeah, I I always say I've got three adult children. And I say to them all the time go for it do do what what you love and have passion for in life yes i always say my wife is a very clear communicator she's very good at telling me what to do <laughs> absolutely she leaves me in no <laughs> doubt about what i'm supposed to be doing <laughs> uh coming back to the mindset thing about um pr- property developing what are the things that perhaps the misperceptions or ideas that you had that perhaps were stopping you from getting into development, but then once you got into it, you realised they weren't really a factor? Look, I think one of the biggest mindset challenges for me was money. Um, I have learned so much from joint venturing and money partnering with people. I... um, Part of the reason we jumped back into the game was to do the NDIS, but I thought I had to do other projects to um, pull out the profit to then use that to reinvest in in my projects. So, um, look, you've always got to work on yourself and and work on your mindset. Um, but I certainly think around financial and funding and and money and so money partnering and jo- joint venturing was something that I never understood before jumping back in now and I don't do a project without using some sort of money partnering or JVing now because you can gain bigger growth um, and better outcomes. Yeah, and that applies to actually both sexes it's a very common uh hurdle that people put up in front of themselves around getting into property development is the money part absolutely and then you know there's there's projects out there and people out there that are are, are, are doing property development not even using their own money so it, it's amazing so Certainly. But I, yeah, and I look initially, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, um, and understanding all the terminologies. And it's like anything, once you're on the bike and riding it, you, you just keep going. So you've got to be prepared to educate yourself. Um, look, I, we go to property networking nights to be around developers. You learn, you learn so much, you know, you listen to other people's deals and, and how they're solving issues and you go, oh, you know, we've learned so much from, you know, surrounding yourself in the environment and, and committing to, to be in that environment and it, it just, 
keeps inspiring you to to move forward and you know knowing that yeah I can do this so yes you want to you want to soar with the eagles not forage with the turkeys as I like to say Valerie Absolutely. I heard a very wise man once say about uh, the cypress trees and the um, in the forest and how that if you surround yourself uh, like the forest with people um, that you want to be around and things like that, it just intermingles and it grows. Uh, and you know, you grow in your in your mindset and your money and all sorts of things. So it's really important to be around inspiring fantastic people that share the same passion keeps the motivation well i hope that there's some women listening who are thinking of getting in but maybe hesitating that they'll just take that step and jump on in and get started because that's the only way you can get experience is to actually do it absolutely absolutely it's like anything if you have a passion for it just go for it Yes. Now tell us a sticky situation that you might have found yourself in in your project that you managed to wriggle your way out of. Got an example for us? Yeah, look, we uh, we did a triple splitter with a house move and a reno um, and we had a lovely neighbour when we bought the property, um, who wouldn't let us connect? The sewerage was just inside his backyard and he wouldn't let us connect or access his yard to connect sewerage. So we we worked out that he, wo- he didn't say no and he didn't say yes uh, and we had quite a long delay trying to communicate um, with him to seek an agreement. We'd offered money, um, but he wouldn't come part of it. So we had to go back to the drawing board of how we were going to solve this because obviously we need sewerage. So um, we went backwards and forwards. And then funny enough, we are at a property night one night and someone was presenting a deal and he had a similar ch- challenge with stormwater um, and they ended up going across the road. So then we went back to our engineers and said, can we go across the road? So that's what we ended up having to do is dig up the road and go across the road. And, yes, it was an increase in civil works, but it, it got us the outcome and, um, you know, we finished off the property. So, But it, it, it delayed the project somewhat and we had challenges with upgrading the plans and things like that and, and lengthy delays in the project so but we got there in the end which was the best outcome yes well once you start a project you have to get there in the end valerie absolutely or it costs you now tell us what have you learned about yourself since you've been doing property developments uh oh what have i learned about myself i think i think the biggest thing is that I can do anything mindset, changing my mindset in how I approach projects and people. Um, I've certainly grown and recognised my strengths when communicating with people uh, as a nurse, uh, organisational skills and things like that. So, um, and knowing when to ask for help, I think you also have to know okay, I don't understand this, 
where who can I go to and where can I go to so um yeah they're, they're the biggest things that I've learned so yes well you can't get a project done on your own you just can't no there's too many moving parts there's too many specialist components so it's just not possible to do it all on your all on your own absolutely and and just educating yourself and learning more and also getting out there and finding a team that you can utilize especially as i focus on ndis surrounding yourself with people that you know that you can work with and 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 trust that they they share the same passion and drive to um complete the project yes i'm forever looking for people to bring onto the island valerie some Absolutely. people get voted off the island some people stay on the island the the the, the, the quest continues Absolutely. The perfect team. I agree. I agree. Uh, what about the best piece of advice you reckon you've ever been given? I think mindset. Again, going back to mindset, accept what is has always been a very big thing. I do listen to a bit of Andy Shaw. Um, but yeah, changing my mindset and knowing that I can do it again has been the best piece of advice and, and having faith in that I have the abilities to, to, to achieve anything. And so how do you actually go about, uh, doing that? Like, what are the things that you do to help tell yourself that, yes, you do have the skills or you do have the the ability to push through and get things done and survive and thrive? I listen to a lot of audio podcasts and a bit of Andy Shaw to get me through when, you know, you're on that rocky road sometimes. I have um, had a mindset coach who's still a very good friend who pulls me up and and drives me forward. So... Um, but I also surround myself. I, I've got a I've got a couple of mentors, and I really keeping in touch with them really keeps me pushing ahead. So and and surrounding yourself with like minded people that really support you in your in your quest and your journey. So we catch up quite often with a who have become good friends in the development world um, th that are running projects as well. And so it's great to hang out with people, like-minded people, like I was saying before about the cypress trees, you know, staying in that area with people like that, you're just drawn to them and they, they keep you driving forward and they keep your motivation. Well, that was your opportunity to say that you listen to the Property Developer podcast all the time, Valerie. Oh, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, what about your advice for developers who are listening out there who might be wanting to take their business to the next level? What what would you suggest to them that they focus on? Joint, probably joint venturing, looking to joint venture and bring in people that have skill sets that they they aren't aware of or don't have. So, you know, really building a good team around you to to assist you to grow to that level. Um, you know, acknowledge your your skill sets and find complementary partners to grow. Yeah, it's a good idea because 
Uh, I think sharing property developing can be a lonely game when it's just you and you're facing all sorts of challenges. But if you've got a partner to share it with, it can really help ease the burden because what is a problem shared is a problem halved. Absolutely. Wise words. Yeah. So it's nice to have someone to talk to who is in the game, who understands exactly what you're facing and two brains better than one at solving problems. That's what I was going to say. Absolutely. Yes, I agree. You really, it is, it makes it far easier when you're working with somebody, um, especially when you're scaling up and doing a, a bigger project. Um, and, you know, using that, even the network, you know, we went to the network of our development friends to, you know, get recommendations for people that you use um, in, in in your team to build your team. So, and those referrals have been so valuable. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges fledgling developers face, that they just don't have anyone to talk to and to discuss things with and get ideas and so it just sometimes can make the challenges challenge seem more of a burden than what it may actually be and and we're all very good at solving problems it it's just the more people you have to stand and walk beside you to solve those problems um you know is is just fantastic all right valerie if people want to find out more about you where can they go they can go to our Valsco property group or email me at valerie at valscopg.com.au so and I'd v- love to have a chat. So that's V-A-L-S-C-O property yep. group? Yes. Very good. Well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people uh, wanting to reach out to you uh, and find out more about what you're up to. But thanks so much for being a great guest on the Property Developer Podcast. Thank you, and I hope that I've inspired a few more women to get into the property game. Oh, amen, sister. (laughs) All right, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas, and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.